This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Season 2, Episode 6, Homeless with COVID-19 in San Francisco. San Francisco's 8,000 homeless people are especially vulnerable to contracting COVID-19. Living on the streets, often in tightly packed neighborhoods like the Tenderloin District, Their living conditions, often in feces-infested streets littered with used syringes, were a disgrace even before the COVID-19 pandemic unfolded. However, today, as a result of this public health crisis, the fetid state of some of the downtown streets of San Francisco is even more appalling. Let me begin by giving you a breakdown of the population of the homeless people in San Francisco. Approximately one-third are mentally ill. One-third of the 8,000 are drug addicts. And one-third are able-bodied people, but effectively indigent. So that is the breakdown of our homeless population. As you can imagine, each one of those subgroups requires different programs, different medications, different interventions. Those who are mentally ill, of course, are the most vulnerable of the three subgroups. And those mental health interventions and programs are provided to them through the city and county of San Francisco, but nonetheless, Uh, They are living on the streets and continue to be quite vulnerable. The decades-long inability of successive mayors and politicians to solve the homeless problem has only worsened during the pandemic. Obviously, the mayor, the governor, the president, but in this case, we're talking about the mayor of San Francisco, the mayor has so many other competing demands on her time, city resources, programs, that the the homeless issue is one that is perhaps getting short shrift. I don't know. But in April, Mayor Breed announced a plan to rent and or to buy 8,250 hotel rooms in San Francisco to get the most vulnerable of the homeless off the streets. Now, San Francisco, of course, has a huge stock of hotel rooms given the importance of the tourist industry to the city. So to rent or buy 8,250 hotel rooms at a time when vacancy rates in the hotels are enormous because the tourist industry for all intents and purposes has collapsed to, you would have thought that her plan to rent or buy 8,250 hotel rooms would have been, would have been easily accomplished. However, as of May 7th, only 2,500 hotel rooms have been secured and about 1,000 homeless people have been housed in those hotel rooms. 
So much work needs to be done there to get the homeless off the streets and into these hotel rooms. But even during a once-in-a-century pandemic, such as the COVID-19 pandemic that we're living through today, the political inertia that afflicts the homeless issue seems to have struck once again. Rather than move to the hotel rooms, many homeless people prefer to stay on the streets. And a thousand camping tents have been distributed by nonprofit organizations so that the, uh, the homeless can continue to live on the streets. Again, working at cross purposes with the stated goal of the city to get the homeless off the streets into hotel rooms. But we have private sector, not-for-profit organizations who are distributing, who've distributed 1,000 camping tents to the homeless to enable them to remain on the streets. As I said, as I referred to the political inertia that afflicts this problem, there, there is such a, a large contingent of social workers, politicians, uh, housing advocates, who come around this issue of homelessness, and very often each one of those uh, parties seems to be working at cross purposes with the other. And that example of hotel rooms versus camping tents on the street in the middle of a once in a century pandemic is another example of the political inertia, the working at cross purposes, and differing, uh, differing well-intended stakeholders in the homeless problem seem to be working at cross purposes to each other. And unfortunately, that distribution of a thousand camping tents to homeless people in the city of San Francisco during the pandemic, I think was ill-advised. Needless to say, part of the reason for distributing the, uh, these camping tents, I dare say, was to provide some measure of social distancing. And social distancing, of course, is not, not really practiced uh, with the tents, but the idea was if a homeless person has a tent, at least they have a, at least they have a fabric separating them from their neighbor or from some other person. The, the fabric of the tent would provide some measure of social distancing. I'm assuming that was the, that was the intent. Doesn't seem terribly practical to me, but um, again, the, uh, the political inertia around this problem in San Francisco has been decades in the making. And of course, the homeless culture in San Francisco is one of homeless residents living in close quarters and socializing in close quarters. So the social distancing that we see in other parts of the city and when we go to the supermarket or the other few places, stores that are open, Social distancing that we see there just is not practiced in the homeless community. 
Mayabreed announced a new plan on Wednesday, May 6th, called the Tenderloin Neighborhood Safety Assessment and Plan for COVID-19. Quite a lengthy title. And according to the report, the profusion of tents and makeshift shacks in the Tenderloin District have exploded by 285% since January versus a still shocking 71% increase in tents and shacks in the rest of the city. But you can see 285% explosion in the number of tents in the Tenderloin District. It's a problem which is out of control. One of the main new tactics will be in the Tenderloin will be to house homeless residents in a plaza, which is in between the Asian Art Museum and the main public library, which overlooks Civic Center and is right in front of City Hall. There are already 90 such tents for homeless people there. And these are homeless people who who were desperate to get off crowded sidewalks and were encouraged to pitch their tents and given tents to pitch in this plaza right in Civic Center. The plan also calls for 50 community ambassadors to roam through the Tenderloin, helping homeless campers space out their living areas and to gain access to city services. Jeff Kosicki, who heads up San Francisco's Healthy Streets Operations Center, oversees the plan. He acknowledges that the plan is really a series of goals as opposed to mandates. Uh, and the plan includes providing public restrooms, water fountains, and hand washing stations for street people and homeless people in the Tenderloin. The explosion of street tents in the Tenderloin is due in part to an influx of new street people who are coming into San Francisco, hearing that the homeless will be given hotel rooms to protect them from the virus and to shelter in place. And as the number of street people has grown, Local residents are steering clear of the area. They're avoiding walking in the area for fear that dysfunctional street people might infect them with the virus. A little bit of geography here. The Tenderloin District is one of the oldest districts in San Francisco. It is bordered by Civic Center, which includes City Hall, the Opera House, Symphony Hall, the main public library, the Asian Art Museum, and the courts. And on the opposite end of this 49 square block downtown neighborhood is Union Square with its expensive and elegant shops, as well as high-end hotels. So within that 49 square block of the Tenderloin, there are 13 square blocks where the highest concentration of homeless people resides. And within that sub area of 13 square blocks, there's a total of 32 encampments. So there are 32 homeless encampments in a 13 square block area 
in the tenderloin and the tenderloin and it's estimated that there are close to 200 tents that have been pitched in those encampments quite frankly the number of tents is much higher than 200 but that is the official statistic which is thrown out there but as you walk or drive through the tenderloin and those 13 square blocks uh, you would agree with me or anybody who goes through the tenderloin in those blocks would agree with me that there's certainly more than 200 tents there. Um, of course, the tenderloin district, like every other district in San Francisco, uh, has been shuttered. Businesses have closed, restaurants have closed, and as a result, the streets are even more deserted than they would have been at the best of times as local residents are sheltering in place, number one, and not daring to go out for fear of confronting some of the more dysfunctional street people who've taken up residence recently in the Tenderloin. Local residents of the Tenderloin, because it is one of the, uh, it is one of the larger residential areas of San Francisco, uh, where rents are a little more affordable in a city which is notorious for very high rents and for a very high cost of living. But local residents who live there have uh, essentially in an act of desperation are and fearing that City Hall will continue to ignore their pleas to clean up the streets, to close the 32 homeless encampments in their neighborhood and to essentially restore the neighborhood to something of a uh, something more livable, uh, the group of local residents has filed a lawsuit to compel the city to clean up the tenderloin. The lawsuit is led by Hastings Law School, and the suit alleges that the city has been remiss and dealt and derelict in its duty to keep the streets clean, safe and open, and they're seeking to have the courts to compel the city to comply. It's quite amazing when you think about it that the citizens of this city or of any city have to turn to the courts to get redress for what the city should be doing in the first place, which is to keep streets clean safe and open but that is what the suit alleges and the suit was filed on monday may 4th just two days before the mayor announced her plan for the tenderloin as of may 7th san francisco a city of 875,000 people had a total of 1,858 confirmed COVID-19 cases and 33 deaths. Obviously, any death uh, is to be lamented, but in the greater scheme of other cities, our death rate in San Francisco is remarkably low, certainly as compared to New York, and certainly as compared to Boston and cities in New Jersey. So we have had a total of 33 deaths in San Francisco. And very interestingly, 
the homeless population has not been disproportionately hit, disproportionately hit by the virus as compared to the population of San Francisco as a whole, and in particular to the Latino community. The Latino community is largely concentrated in the Mission District. The Mission District is the oldest district of San Francisco and is adjacent to the mission which was set up by the Spanish, by Father Junipero Serra in 1776 as part of the plan by Spain to colonize Northern California. And they set up Mission Dolores in San Francisco to be the focal point of their colonization efforts for what was to become San Francisco. So that district continues to be a heavily Hispanic district. A recent study of antibodies was conducted in the Mission District, and a four square block area of the Mission, which has a lot of apartments and multifamily homes, and as I said, is very densely populated. This four square block area, all of the residents were tested and uh, they received a blood test to determine whether or not they had COVID-19 antibodies. And as a result of the test, they found that 6% of the residents of this four square block area of the Mission District had COVID-19 antibodies. In other words, they had been exposed to the virus. Whether they had symptoms or not wasn't, wasn't included in the summary of the report that I read, but 6% of the residents of those four square blocks did have COVID-19 antibodies as compared to a 1% antibody rate for the city of San Francisco at large. So you can see that based on that number, a 6% concentration of antibody exposure in a four square block area of the Mission District versus 1% for the city at large, the Latino community here in San Francisco has been very heavily impacted by the coronavirus. And in fact, the Latino communities in New York Chicago, Boston also have been very heavily impacted by the coronavirus. For those who have moved into the city to and provided hotels to self-isolate, you may have read that a limited number of them have received alcohol, cannabis, and tobacco to discourage them from going outside to buy, to buy it themselves. It was widely reported in the press, both domestically and internationally. I just want to reference that story because, of course, most importantly, if you are sheltering in place and you are, have been exposed to the virus, the last thing the Department of Health wants, the last thing any of us want, is for you to walk out in the streets, walk to shops, to go buy your wine or your alcohol or your cannabis or your tobacco on the street. So the Department of Health of San Francisco actually went about providing those 
products on a very limited basis to ensure that the, uh, the residents who were self-isolating in those hotels would not break their isolation. I just wanted to clarify that point. So to be homeless in San Francisco, notwithstanding the possibility of sheltering in place in a hotel room, continues to be a rather bleak prospect. Coming back to our population of homeless, which breaks down one-third mentally ill, one-third drug addicted, and one-third able-bodied but indigent, each one of those subgroups requires a different program, and those programs are available in the city and county of San Francisco. While they are available, and while homeless people are encouraged to use those programs, and there are social workers and community ambassadors that go out on the streets talking to the homeless people to encourage them to avail themselves of these programs, very often they won't use those programs. As I said earlier, I've spoken with homeless people myself, asking them why they wouldn't move into one of these hotels or into a shelter, particularly a homeless shelter, and they say that it's safer for them to be on the street than it is to be in the shelters, because once they go into the shelters, their few possessions are likely to be stolen or trashed or broken. So as a result, and it, this is a common theme, that homeless people tend to avoid homeless shelters and prefer to stay on the streets on the assumption that the streets are more friendly and safer than homeless shelters. San Francisco's budget for homeless services in 2018 totaled $300 million out of an $11 billion budget. But of course, as a result of the 2020 special homeless COVID-19 budget, the number for this year will be significantly higher. My sources for today's podcast include the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Guardian, and local sources. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Experience. This is your host, Jim Herlihy, signing off from America's favorite city, San Francisco.